Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. We are your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and strategies. We have a great show for you today. We have real estate forecast from Ernst & Young, or you might know him as EY. In the Studio One here, we have Tom Brown. He's a partnered real estate hospitality practice and real estate practice based here in Atlanta. We also have Mark Grinnis. He's the real estate practice equity leader, and Mark's here in Studio One. Thanks for joining us. Gentlemen, let's start off with, I think, a question that all my listeners and viewers are kind of concerned about is, where are we you know, in the cycle? It seems like uh, this cycle's been a little bit long in the tooth, and some people are a little concerned. Uh, you know, where are we? You know, it's, um, I, I kind of have spent my career riding cycles. I've, uh, traditionally, I, uh, I, I grew up in the early uh, 80s in the Houston real estate cycle. I went to California through the savings and loan cycle. I went to Tokyo to go through the Asian economic cycle. You're really beat up. <laughs> well, when, yeah, so when I came to, to New York, I think everybody hid underneath their desks. Um, but so when you think about, um, we're, we're so conditioned to think about, gee, if it's we're in year six or year seven, you know, clearly we're, we're getting long in the tooth and the cycle is about to come. And I think, I think any of those kind of generalizations, although they generally have some continuity, history isn't the same. It, it kind of rhymes, it's similar, their attributes are the same. But this one's different um, for a lot of reasons. And this real estate cycle is different because our business cycle is different. We've been in a slow growth environment. We have not been at the, what we're used to is after recession, boom, our, our economic activity picks up by four or 5%. Real estate immediately surges and try to, tries to catch up. Real estate's trying to, to balance that supply and demand dynamic. We typically get over our skis and boom, here we go again. It hasn't been that way. And so I think those that look at the cycle and say, gee, you know, it's, we're about there. We might be there from a price perspective because of the very unique fact patterns of interest rates and what the Fed's role has been in the marketplace, but I think less so from a business perspective. Because it's been a real healthy growth, right? If you think about the slow growth, it's kind of, it's created some, some health in the market, right? Because of the, it, the lack of new supply and the, and the lack of exuberance, right? To go out and That's right. I think that the way the market has come back, it's allowed people to be disciplined you, you don't see a lot of overbuilding. Obviously, there's been a lot of residential, but if you look at the historical past, there was a real slow period before in uh, multifamily residential. So there was a need for, for some growth there. And a lot of uh, developers, a lot of investors have really been cautious about how they underwrite projects, and, and they've really been able to um, uh, keep their, their growth in check and, and not really just go out there and start building and hoping that people will come. I mean, I think, I think you also, if you look at NACREF or you look at some of the uh, benchmark index, typically before you hit a period of negative growth, it's typically been double digits. It hasn't been six or seven years. It's been from a, peer, you know, from a peak to trough. It's longer than that. So I, I, I just caution from a uh, oversupply kind of dynamic, that tip traditional cycle, it might be more of a price adjustment for interest rates, but less of a 
huge overhang that creates a, a, a fall into a cycle. Well, let's yeah. talk about pricing a little bit. You mentioned something I think that our listeners are interested in is, is the talk about bubble. You know, there's talk about the, some of these prices are higher than they've ever been, especially with what office properties and some industrial properties, some multifamily properties, especially in some of the gateway markets. So what do you say to people who are concerned about maybe bubble pricing? I, I would say bubble pricing has been driven by a Federal Reserve that drove down interest rates and has created capital to flood to many asset classes, which has included real estate. And real estate's, quite frankly, been incredibly attractive at the yield spread of, of what you can get on real estate versus U.S. Treasury or, or, or pick, pick your other uh, a bucket of assets. So real estate in that regard is very attractive, but it's, it's been one of many asset classes that, have, that has enjoyed the flood of capital that's driven down yields. Um, when it reverses, that kind of means all asset classes will reverse. So, you know, it's not, again, even this one's different because we're coming off a, a Federal Reserve and how it impacts real estate, which has a little bit been a little bit different than previous cycles. I think Mark, uh, you hit it. That, yeah. So you talk about bubble pricing. So uh, are you not concerned that prices are in a bubble? Or you think they are, or are they not in a bubble because the fundamentals are still so strong? Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a good point. Yeah. I think that when you look at what the the future state of real estate, and, and you really clip them down into the different markets, you got office, you got retail, uh, multifamily. The fundamentals continue to be positive. You're still seeing rent growth. And e even though in the office market you've got um, differing uses for office, a lot of um, uh, new build, or, I'm sorry, new uh, con uses for how uh, companies are using office, uh, you're still seeing a uh, increase in rent rates, high demand, and that's creating good NOI growth. Um, Hospitality is the same. You know, it's been benefiting from some great, uh, great market economics and uh, occupancies are, are still up, so the demand is still, still there. So when you look forward and you think about all the fundamentals, um, I, I think that there's still some runway there, and I don't think we're in a bubble. Um, and, and the other piece you see is some of those real low cap rates, some of the real low yields in the big central business districts, uh, you know, as those properties become more expensive, you do, you do see capital starting to look elsewhere in the secondary markets, uh, looking at some of the, the larger cities in the, in the southeast, for instance, or, or southwest, um, and, and they've been benefiting from, from that pricing. I mean, real estate is 10% of the economy. And so when you talk about bubble, you have to say, what is that other nine-tenths doing? Um, and what is the, 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 the situation of that nine-tenths and will that create a situation where we, the suppliers of the sticks and bricks in which that nine-tenths conducts its business, which direction is it, go is it going? This has been the worst recovery um, ever. And so it, it, we, have, we have chugged along at a very slow growth. So to think that, wow, we're on the precipice of because we've just so overshot that we're going to fall, that this other nine-tenths is going to fall off the cliff, I don't see that. Again, prices are rich. Mm -hmm. Those that occupy and use the real estate 
um, have been growing at 2%. I see us growing another 2% next year. Is it gangbusters? Are there markets that might be overbuilt? Yeah, sure. Um, are there markets where um, e-commerce and other you know, uh, uh, distribution um, have great growth opportunities? Absolutely. So a little bit risky generalizing, but uh, um, I just don't see the precipice. Uh, well, that's a good point. If you're having good job growth, you're going to have good demand yep. for commercial real estate, yep. right? Well, what about the impact of rising rates? You know, everyone expects uh, rates to rise. Everyone knows exactly how much or when. Maybe you could tell us today, right? Sure, sure. Uh, and the impact on commercial real estate. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, we actually did publish a paper, uh, kind of a, a view and a forecast on, on interest rates. Um, it, it's a global world. Um, and central banks from around the world are easing and flooding markets with capital. That has clearly a downward pressure on interest rates. We are pretty much the only market that's really trying to rise interest rates and are, is fighting upstream against countries like China and Europe and other countries that are easing. So there's a lot of global forces and it is, is without question a global currency market that um, has an implications to our interest rates. And capital flight to the U.S. can, we are still clearly the depth destination of capital. So as capital moves in, as what did we just see right now, just recently when uh, uh, the Shanghai sold off, yields on the 10-year dropped. Safe, we will continue to be a safe haven. We will continue to be um, a, an attractive place that holds interest rates in check. We don't see interest rates. I don't see, speaking on myself, I don't see interest rates <laughs> rising uh, um, that quickly. Maybe a couple rate hikes this year, that's it. Well, yeah. if we get a couple rate hikes, then you think because demand is so strong from investors, that's not really going to impact the values of commercial real estate then significantly. It's, they're too yeah. small. The rate yeah. hikes are too small. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. I think that the risk is that interest rates go up too, fat, too quickly. That might create a risk, yeah. but with a, a slow increase and just a few increases in the year, I don't see that having a significant effect on, on the way things get priced. Um, and I think that that low interest rate's been priced in a lot of uh, debt pricing as well. Okay. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back with more on the Global Market Outlook 2016 from EY. Stay with us. Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. Today we have a treat for you. We have EY here. We have Tom Brown and Mark Grinnis from Ernst & Young. We're talking about their global market outlook for 2016. And one of the things that I think are a concern to some uh, investors in Occupier space out there uh, are its new supply. I mean, I think some occupiers are getting rate shock in a lot of the cities, including the city where we're sitting today, where tenants are uh, renewing leases and the rents are 20 percent higher uh, than they saw when they did their last lease. So where are we on new supply and how is that impacting commercial real estate industry moving forward? There's two ways to look at it. One is kind of a running average of what new supply is you know on a five-year basis, some kind of historical benchmark against previous building cycles. And we're, except for apartments, we're pretty much below that. So you again, 
why is that? You can say, well, we're, we're not building as much and we're more disciplined. I'd probably argue it has more to do with we're growing slowly, demand is being a little bit more measured, and new supply is being provided in a little bit more measure. There clearly are markets that are hot, make no mistake. There's clearly lots of cranes in many, many different places. Um, so, I, but a lot of the places where a lot of the cranes are taking place are, the, in fact, the places where the strength of, the, of job growth is. There is demand. There is demand. So, you know, are there places that are over their skis? Certainly, um, but there are also markets that have good job growth. Um, and, the, and the supply is there for it. So what does that mean for, for tenants? If you're running a business, uh, should you expect uh, rates, rental rates to continue to increase and the market get tighter when you look for a new space? It, I mean, there is a limit to how many people are going to sustain those significant rate heights and you are going to be driving people into, into secondary locations, B locations. You will eventually you will run out of those that pay the super premium prices and you'll have that, that push um, that'll, that'll send others out into other locations that are more affordable. And does that have an impact on uh, the investment property values? I mean, if they're building less supply uh, and we have all this money pouring in from everywhere, it seems, for commercial real estate, is that one of the reasons it might keep uh, cap rates uh, low and, and values high? How is the, the lack of new supply enter into that factor? Yeah, definitely, because the, you know, the pricing is based on what the demand is for the space, how you can drive your, your rents. And so long as the, the supply is in the right spot, people are you know, um, keeping the supply in check, that's going to keep the, the pricing up. Uh, your cap rates will be down. But you'll also see a drive up in, in, uh, in NOI. So y you may see, again, with interest rates going up slightly, you may see a little bit of expansion in cap rates, but you're going to continue to see NOI growth. And I think that'll, that'll sustain the values. Um, so long as we keep all that in, in check, I think that's going to keep the pricing in check. I think the one sub-market that probably is growing faster than its historical is in industrial and logistics. As e-commerce continues be, and products continue to need to be housed in, in, in warehouses and, and you know, shipped off to people, I think that's the one place we're, we're going to see growth that's probably faster than historical because there's a, a demand there. I, I guess, you know, we, we focus in on the supply and di demand dynamic, um, but probably just as important, in every single asset class, there's usually some form of disruption that's taking place. Yeah. We all know about e-commerce. It is absolutely growing rapidly. It isn't hollowing out all retail, but it's hollowing out some retail, and there certainly have been sacrifices. Um, in office, the office of the future where, you know, the old rule of thumb of 250 square foot per employee, you know, we're doing some of our buildings 80 and 100 square foot per employee. We, you know, if, if it truly was the same store basis, you'd need half as much real estate. So there's clearly impacts of office of the future. The multifamily um, dynamic, you know, of, of, you know, coming off of, you know, moving into city centers, I think we are at some point of to pivot um, back to residential, not an abandonment, but your residential will reemerge. It has been you know, relatively silent you know, to some degree. So you know, I think just as important as looking at the supply and demand is, is really the, under, the fundamentals underlying and what, are kind of sub, what is this e-commerce type world doing to each particular property type.
Yeah, those are good points. And one of the demand features for uh, valuation is the, the flow of money, right? Like the foreign investors that are moving to the U.S. Uh, even more so in 2015 than they did in 2014. What do you guys see moving forward? Are we still going to see this real flow of capital into the U.S.? Well, living in New York, <laughs> uh, you know, where uh, uh, condominiums that, you know, were, uh, five years ago were a million and a half dollars or seven million dollars. I mean, there is an absolute staggering amount of foreign capital, um, certainly going to some of the key city centers. There's also another element of foreign capital that's going into to funds, to going into as major sovereigns and major foreign pension funds, and we can talk a little about FERPTA and tax as well, there are, there are factors that are driving capital uh, into U.S. real estate. And I really don't see that abating too much. There are oil slowing will have some impact on Middle Eastern sovereign wealth. China slowing will have some impact on Chinese construction companies doesn't fall off the cliff, but it does create some reduction. So I think there's a little bit of ebbs and flows in that. Yeah, and you talked about FERPTA. So there's the recent changes were just in December, and it seems like there's already a little bit of an uptick of foreign investment in U.S. Uh, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's one of the few places where we see a new rule that is positive for investment. And, and here, there was a little bit of relaxing as to how much foreign investors can own of, of domestic REITs. And I think we will continue to start seeing that as that money uh, is available. And then, as you know, a lot of REITs are, are currently trading at a discount to their net asset value, which make them a, makes them a pretty good buy. So I think we'll continue to see that capital come in. I mean, you know, if you're a foreign pension, and before December 18th, you said you were limited to 10%, you know, could go into, um, you know, whether a REIT or, or, you know, commercial real estate. And suddenly on the 19th, the rule is, um, you know, you're not subject to FERPTA. So, you know, that clearly is a channel that allows more optionality for that foreign pension fund to decide, you know, I. I I, I do want to own 100% of this, or I'd like to take a 51% interest in this joint venture. There are combinations that I can see of pension funds that simply is a, is a net positive. It's hard to see, is it a flood of capital? Um, you know, is the fact that it was 10%, did that really limit the allocation of how much money that, that they said we're going to put into the U.S.? Maybe, maybe not. But I think anything that's a positive will absolutely increase, uh, to some degree, capital into the U.S. Well, with all this demand increasing, and we're short on the break here, but is 2016 the time to, to sell? I mean, we saw record volumes of transactions in 2015. Is 2016 even better for sellers? I guess if you stare down in a rising interest rate and, and clearly prices are heady and you can just, you know, want to sit out for three or four years, um, you know, I guess maybe there could be a case to be built. I still think you're going to be generating positive yields, favorable yields. The yield spread's not going to change. Um, there might be some pricing pressure, uh, but there's going to be pricing pressure on every asset class yeah. as interest rates rise. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I think if you are thinking you might want to sell in the next four or five years, timing surely looks good to do it now. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the future of real estate according to EY. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us.
Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull, where we're talking with EY about their outlook on commercial real estate. We have Mark Grinnis here with us and Tom Brown in Studio One. And in the previous segment, you mentioned um, the the price of oil and how it's impacting uh, investors into U.S. from sovereign funds and things. But let's look at it on the U.S. side. It seems like all my friends have more money. <laughs> my son, you know, he says, Dad, it costs half as much to fill up my Jeep now. This is fantastic. Is there an impact there on our economy and commercial real estate? It's a, it's a massive tax cut. Um, uh, you know, effectively, you know, it, it's, it's disposable income. And I think, as I mentioned before, you know, nine-tenths of the, uh, of the economy uses our real estate products. So what happens when and we're 70 percent, 67, 70 percent is, um, is consumption. What happens to consumption when you've just had a major tax cut and you're, you, when you fill up your gas tank, you have 50 more dollars than, than you thought you were going to have? You know, we're in, we're in the southeast, so I'm assuming an SUV, you know, just for that, uh, for that example. Well, the Budweiser prices go up. <laughs> but, but, you know, let's face it, um, that's, a, that's a, mu- a massive tax cut that p- produces disposable income. Clearly, the headline has been how the, it's hurted the index and the stock market because oil and oil futures and all that's driving um, trades. But, you know, look out behind you, consumption's coming up behind it. Um, and that's, that's the offset, and I think it's going to be a very favorable one. Yeah, I, I think it's going to take a little time to run through the economy. You know, if you look at so far, we haven't seen this huge increase in consumer spending, although you know that the money is there to start doing it. Although I think if you look at a lot of the, uh, the restaurants, it, I, I know restaurants have been doing extremely well. People decided to take all that extra money and go out to dinner, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that it's going to be people are going to start saying, hey, I do have extra money. I've, I've put a little bit away now. I've, I've, I've worried about my, uh, my savings. Now I'm going to go out and, and spend it. And the fundamentals are there. You said moving forward for real estate to do well. What about the job market? Is your outlook that job growth is going to, to increase or stay stable? And how might that impact real estate? You know, I, I think you know, one thing that's been missing from this recovery, and almost every recovery that we've gone through after a financial crisis, the number one leader is is housing. It's typically pulled us out. Now, obviously, housing pulled us in, so it was the last one out. But we have been so far under peak housing construction um, that that cylinder, if you will, from an eight-cylinder engine is missing. I think that cylinder is picking up, and not to say that it'll get back to the peak uh, output of two million, but it certainly is rising. And there is so much. As soon as you buy a house, you buy furniture. You know, there's all the upstream and downstream effects of housing, and I really see that being as a as an important addition. And uh, some, uh, I don't know if it'll light the afterburners, but it certainly is going to stimulate. It'll continue strong job growth. And should housing continue to improve then? Do you see the residential market continuing to grow and do well? Yeah, I think, look, I think we've been doubling up. We've been 
you know, consolidating because living at home and in the basement and, you know, all your all your kids are, you know, hanging out with you longer than, than you know, you, you thought. I, you know, they're 40. It's probably time for you to get out. <laughs> so, um, uh, so that kind of creates a pent-up demand, a yeah. hidden demand equation and you know gee it's you're 40 and it's it's probably you know it's getting a little late you probably if you're gonna have a family it's probably yeah. time to get on it uh, the burps are starting to look um, attractive I think that uh, is an element out there yeah I, I think you're absolutely right I think there's just been a shift the, the Millennials which is a big generation it's bigger than the baby boomers are they're starting to get to that age where they do need to, to get out and, and start their own households and I think you've got this natural progression Oh, they're first going to go to an apartment, you know, live close to the city, do the work-life balance in the city, and then inevitably they'll start to move back out as they start to think about having children and 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 what schools their kids are going to go to, and you'll just it, the pendulum will swing that that way a little. Well, it's bit. interesting it's you bring that up because that seems to be one of the things that in the apartment industry, as they track tenants moving out, seems like in past times they've lost a lot to people buying homes, and they haven't really lost a lot of those people in the last few years. Do you see that that could possibly increase and more of these tenants might buy, especially if they see rates rising and, and home values improving? It, it's very possible. I, I was going to say, interestingly, what you've also seen, especially in the, the larger cities, you've seen the opposite. You've seen some of the, the empty nesters saying, gee, I don't need this much house anymore. I'm going to sell the house and I'm going to go live downtown. And so, especially here, we've seen a lot of uh, folks coming back into town and starting to take advantage of the, the walkability, restaurants, things like that. So you are starting to see uh, that. I think that'll continue as well. Yeah. I, I just, just I, you know, there's, there are so many different downtowns across the country that were unlivable. They, that is now a very attractive place to live. I just don't see the pendulum swinging back. The city centers are really attractive places to live. Well, it'll be interesting if I'm moving to apartments. They better like Journey and the Beatles. <laughs> well, stay tuned. We'll have more EY Outlook on real estate. Stay with us. Are you in accounting, banking, or technology? Advertising on this show is an incredible way to reach U.S. commercial real estate participants. Visit CREshow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. We have Mark Grinnis and Tom Brown here with us with EY. We're looking at EY's outlook on real estate. And gentlemen, there's certainly been a lot of flow of capital into, into the U.S. For, for debt and for equity. Uh, and it seems like a lot of different sources. There's some kind of changes going on with some of those sources. Where we see our capital coming in the next couple of years and how much, how much will be flowing in? Show me the money, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there's a couple ways to look at it. I mean, I think that the headlines oftentimes comes of a foreign capital source. The bread and butter of capital for, for real estate clearly are insurance companies, pension funds, endowments. And I think if you, if you, you can talk about each one, I think the pension funds and endowments is an important um, class to look at. They're, for the most part, underallocated. How they divide up all of their assets to pay you know, pension obligations and things in the future, they are under, under allocated to real estate. That is a significant pool of capital. And so if you step back and say, you know, where were we in 2008? You know, maybe 50 billion of capital was going into real estate private equity. 
Today that number has doubled and it has gradually stair-stepped. And if you look at the returns that are coming in from the vintage funds that were formed over the class, the returns are very attractive and a lot of the transaction volume is very active. So capital's coming back in, it's going, getting reinvested and redeployed. And in spite of all the $1.2 trillion of transaction volumes that are taking place, they're still underallocated. So, so you expect that to just to continue? So I think the, the capital continues, the, the transaction volume sustains, and um, the pensions and endowments will, generally speaking, look to try to up their allocations by 30, 40, 50 basis points. And these funds and allocations that are in core assets and gateway markets that maybe have some cap rates of 3 and 4%, are these still good deals? As, uh, as one of my, uh, uh, you know, the, if, if you look at a lot of the, the big money, they, they've got to put money, they've got to pay pension obligations. There's obligations associated with, you know, a lot of that capital, and it has to fund future obligations. If you're having something that generates a 4% return when the 10-year is, is sub-2, um, you know, or other, you know, sovereign type debt, uh, you know, the, the bond, or you, you look at a lot of different real estate, that 4% yield to you and I says, wow, that's, that's kind of not a lot of headroom there. That still is an attractive yield to fund obligations that, they, that they're going to have to make in the future. And still considered safe somewhat. Right? Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> right. What about debt? How about the banks and CMBS? What do you see moving forward with uh, capital for refinancing or, or developing new projects? Yeah, I think the CMBS market has come back fairly healthily. Um, you, you saw a lot of the the refinancings that are that are uh, were done at the, the first part of the cycle. They're not going to start coming due 16, 17, 18. I think there's going to be fine. You're going to have uh, values that are still up, and you'll see see a lot of that roll back over. Um, I think that so not well, the opportunities that some investors hoped that would be there, right, when those 10-year no, balloons I, came in. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that we're, we're still, you know, we talk a lot about the cycle and, and not just drawing these general generalizations, but I still think there's a lot of runway on the cycle for this, this go-round. Um, I, I think we'll have to wait and see what happens there. And, and CMBS is going to continue to be very active. Um, as those values stay up there and, and people are deploying, uh, you know, their, their capital, uh, that, that debt market's going to continue to be fairly frothy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess the only thing I'd add to that is, you know, there's, you know, there's been an incredible amount of focus on the 10-year, 7, 10-year paper that was issued, you know, in the, at the peak of the last cycle and that this, this wall of maturities that's taking place. There's a wall of maturities taking place. There's also a wall of capital to receive it as well. Yeah. So, you know, if you're in a you know, a, a location that was done in two, 2005 that, you know, has no job growth and no activity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that wall of, of, of capital may not be there for you. But, right. you know, for, for, for anything other than that, you know, certainly we're seeing plenty of liquidity, yeah. you know, to recapitalize mm -hmm. it and, and, and address those it's, And strong fundamentals, like you said, in most markets have really picked up values. What about Fannie and Freddie moving forward? They'll still be flowing money, especially to uh, multifamily. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's been a tremendous capital source. I, I guess I continue to say I, I'm 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 also looking at single family as uh, as to see origination start to rise in that space. Mm -hmm. What about crowdfunding? If you guys, when you're looking forward at the market, is that a, a significant piece enough to 
to even get a mention, or is it too small that and not really an impact yet? You know, I, 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 you hate to discount it because the Ubers and the of the world, you know, can completely disrupt a marketplace. Um, that said, there is clearly institutional capital of such order of magnitude that um, you know it, it is filling most of the voids. Um, I, I'm kind of a wait and see, and interested to see for it to really take off. Well, you guys are, are, are bullish, it sounds like, on commercial real estate, on the real estate market. Uh, we're, 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 we're bullish for accountants, okay? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe we're really bullish for accountants, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's a sell signal, there, actually. There you go. Right. <laughs> so how, how long, how long might the good times last if you look deep into your crystal ball? Look, I, I think the, the 50% of global growth has, in the last five years has been China. Um, and China is slowing. And so that cannot be discounted. Um, you know, the, the, China has been an, the, the most interesting real estate story um, you know, that, that I've followed in my career. They have done what Henry Ford did to uh, automobiles. They have done to cities and they are cranking them out rapidly. It is a massive economic engine, but it's slowing. That will have some implications to us. Yeah, and that's interesting because as you said in your uh, outlook here, real estate was a, has been a big part of China. Well, next we're gonna talk about some opportunities, so stay with us, EY, on Commercial Real Estate Outlook. Stay with us, we'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're getting Ernst & Young, EY's Outlook on Commercial Real Estate. And uh, we have um, Tom Brown here with us and Mark Grinnis. And gentlemen, what about some takeaways? What about some tips? What about some opportunities? Where are there opportunities moving forward? Yeah, I guess I would, um, you know, to make money in real estate, uh, you need strength. Um, you need economic activity and strength. And I think there is, without question, different parts of different cities and different parts of the market that where there's tax, um, legislative fact patterns that are business friendly. And oftentimes those business friendly, you know, clearly take Texas in spite of the oil, um, you know, is, is creating job growth. No one likes to fight, you know, having to steal tenants from somebody else because there's no job growth. It's much more uh, uh, easier to do, you know, when there's economic activity. Focus in on those key markets where you're seeing lots of job growth and, and uh, support there. I guess second, I would probably say interest rates will rise. Uh, they will be slower than you think. But the principle of leveraging long is without question still a rock solid um, expectation. Interest rates will eventually move up with j the job market the way it is. We are ultimately going to start getting some wage inflation that will show up and uh, you know, it can show up fast. So that's the second thing. Third, if you're really, you know, uh, you have a good propensity for risk, there's a lot of opportunities overseas a ch slowing China, a Brazil. There are lots of countries that have fundamentals and currencies that make it a very attractive uh, place to investment. I think there will be incredible amounts of money made in certain countries 
um, but not without risk. Right, not without risk. And there's more in their outlook, and we'll have a link to this outlook on the show website at Commercial Real Estate Show. Dot com. Well, are there certain uh, sectors or things that might be good ideas? You mentioned industrial. Yeah, well, uh, there are definitely um, different sectors, as Mark said, looking at where the market is, where the growth is going to be, is going to be very important. Um, understanding where the, the demographics are going to change and, and trying to um, anticipate those is going to be very important. I think if I look at the, the future and, and, and a piece of advice, it's you know, don't get too impatient. You know, there's a lot, there, it's very easy to underwrite stupidly and start thinking about, oh, well, we can make this assumption, and even if it doesn't come true, uh, surely we can get that underwritten and get that financed. So you, you, don't, wanna, you don't want to get um, too ahead of yourself and, and make stupid investment. And looking at, there's opportunities in different places at different times, and, and not just being married to that one uh, specific piece. Yeah. I, and then also, if you're going to, I, I had to put the plug in, always make sure you have a good set of advisors from, from tax, tax structuring, accounting, reporting. And brokerage. Uh, and brokerage. <laughs> it's extremely, extremely important because it's very complex. There's regulations all over. Different countries have different regulations, different uh, rules. And, and navigating those is, is very complex. So yeah. don't try to do it on your own. I, I guess I'd close with... Um, you can't overlook the importance of technology. You know, old crusty real estate guys <laughs> that you know just think I've done it this way. I'll always do it that way. There is too much disruption taking place in the marketplace, and whether you're using technology to use space more efficiently, your back office more efficient, using leverage, how to outsource certain pieces of your business to different service centers, taking all of that in consideration is, is embracing technology. It'll make your platform more efficient. It'll allow you to focus on your most important resource, your people, um, and ultimately, it'll generate more profits for you. Quick question, if you run a business, go long on your leases now or short, generally speaking? Go long on new leases. Go long on new leases. I would agree. Go long on new leases. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being here in Studio One. Thank you thanks, so much Michael. for having us. Appreciate it. And we appreciate you listening out there on one of the 47 stations, YouTube, iTunes, or the show website. Uh, we appreciate you being with us. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Till next week, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.